like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we have a guest who explores in her musical creations modes that will probably be unexplored territory to most of you. Nancy Bowker certainly does more common forms, like jazz or blues, but what I found especially exciting is what she calls sung prayer, music that comes from the inside, sometimes spontaneous and sometimes improvised on the spot, but always drawing on a deep place of centeredness and connection rather than of ego and expectations. You see, Nancy Bowker is a modern-day contemplative, and she joins us by phone from the great state of Maine. Nancy, welcome to Song of the Soul. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Mark. You're over in Maine, I think around somewhere around Portland, Maine. How's the weather there? Is it as nice as it is in Wisconsin? <laughs> it's chilly, I can say that. So it's pretty cold right now. Have you lived in Maine for a long time? Where are you native to? I've lived here over 20 years, but I grew up in New Jersey, and it was predominantly a Quaker village called Rancocas. I come from farmers, a number of generations of farmers as well in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. What do you mean by a Quaker village? I mean, I guess I've, I mean, I've no places in Pennsylvania, Quaker town and other things like that. Well, Rancocas, when I was growing up, had 200 houses and a general store, but it was predominantly Quaker at the time. And I remember when I was a young child, they used to say thee and thou. And my father was a Quaker, my grandparents were Quakers. So, the little Quaker meeting house, I think, was built in the 1700s, and it's John Woolman country. He grew up not far from me in southern New Jersey. And what else would have been different about the place that you grew up? What about singing? I mean, because back until the mid-1800s, Quakers would not have been singers. So did you grow up singing? No, I grew up. My father and that side of the family was Quaker. My mother was Episcopal. But out in the fields, I worked in the blueberry fields all of my life, and there was singing out there all of my life. So that's primarily where I began to sing. In the blueberry fields? The blueberry fields, yes. (laughs) That sounds delightful, I guess, but how can you sing with blueberries filling up your mouth? (laughs) We did have blue teeth. But, you know, my grandfather also had a blueberry farm in North Carolina, and I was, I think, often the only white face in the fields. And so part of the workday, it was a 12-hour workday, 
to get through it, everyone sang. That was my real education. I, I'm not a trained singer, and I don't know how to write or read music. As soon as I go outdoors, I start singing, and I've begun to record everything that I sing. And so I think it's what I most love to do. So an avocation, but is it also how you made your income, your livelihood? Well, that's a deep question. I'm on disability, and so if you can imagine what the country offers people on disability, it's a very low sum a month. And so in certain ways, I've learned to live very simply and then also do what I love at the same time. Tell me a little bit about your history with recordings. I understand that you have two CDs, uh, jazz-type music, I think, that basically are not available. And I have your live album, and I have one called Crossings, Sung Prayer. How did you get to Crossing Sung Prayer? Is that the newest one? That is the newest one. I've gotten a number of grants, and one was for a recording device called a Zoom recorder. It's a pocket recorder. I've always sung alone, often in large spaces, in cathedrals, but people wanted to have recordings of what I did. And then I had the opportunity to go to Kyoto, Japan. I had another grant to go record in sacred places. Tadao Ando is an amazing Japanese architect who cares about how the soul feels in his buildings. And I was able to meet with him very briefly and ask him permission. And the first recording, Mountain Song, was done as soon as I got on his site. It was Church of the Light. I had no idea what I would be singing. I think my Quaker background is really the source of my songs. And so I listen very deeply and just spontaneously sing whatever comes up. And Mountain Song was the first thing that came up. I have dreamed on this mountain since first I was my mother's daughter and they just can't take this dream not with me watching they may drive a big machine but i was born a great big woman and they just can't take this dream away without me fighting this old mountain raised my many daughters. Some have died young, and some are still living. If they come here for to take my mountain, well, I ain't come here to give it. I have dreamed on this mountain since first I was my mother's daughter 
And they just can't take my dreams away Not with me watching No, they just can't take my dreams away Without me fighting, no My guest today for Song of the Soul is Nancy Balker. That song is called Mountain Song. It's written by Holly Near, and it's from Nancy's recording, Crossings, Sung Prayer. As you said, Nancy, you sang that in the Church of Light in Kyoto. I went out and I looked on the web and found Church of Light. I hadn't heard about it before. It's a Zen church is that or i mean it's got zen concepts built into how the building is constructed it's very simple very spare stark some people would say it is many of his buildings are it is a christian church but he recycles every often recycles everything that he uses so it's very simple and it kind of reminds me of a quaker meeting house in a certain way the church of light is in kyoto japan how long were you there in Kyoto? Were you specifically around the Church of Light for a longer time? I was there for six months, and I went and visited Church of Light just that once. But I was part of an Anglican English-speaking church, and I sang spontaneous prayer there. And did you visit other churches there, too? I assume besides Christian churches, there would be Zen and other related institutions. I did. I did sit for those six months, often at a a Zen place. And I think sharing that kind of silence is beautiful, no matter where it is or what denomination it is. So I did go as often as I could to a Zen temple and sat. You said you were raised in this Quaker village. Have you explored other religions? Has that part of your spirituality, or has it always just been Quaker? I was raised Quaker. I was also an Episcopal at the same time. But I would say my convincement or my conversion happened in the desert in New Mexico. I've been lucky that throughout my life there have been these occasions of grace that have really steered me into absolutely something I could never imagine or think of. And this particular time, I went to a cemetery, and I was very ill. I didn't know exactly why. And I leaned up against a statue, and I said, if you exist, I'm ill at every level. I'm dying at every level. And I just said, I need your help. And I went back and laid down in my house, and I heard go north. I was in Albuquerque. And I thought to myself, I'll go to a Zen Buddhist colony or place. There'll be cute guys there. But what I heard interiorly was Christian. And my exact thought after that was, no, I'm ashamed of what's done in the name of Christianity. But I started driving this $200 car, and I grabbed some maps. And one of the maps was a place map that had about seven things of New Mexico. I saw Monastery of Christ in the desert, and I started quaking. 
uncontrollably, and I found it opposite Ghost Ranch, drove down about 13 miles down this dirt road. There was no sign at the end of the road. And I asked them if I could just simply camp, and they said that there were some cancellations, and I was welcome to be there for the weekend. When I got into the cell, I was so thrilled. I felt like I was at home. Two different women came down that long dirt road the next day and suggested to me I should be a long-term retreatant. So in the next, I went to the next canyon. There was an Airstream trailer, <laughs> wrote my application, and I was accepted for that year as a long-term retreatant. And I was very poor. It ended up I had a brain tumor but didn't know it at the time. And that, I think, was the foundation of the rest of my journey. And even though I didn't understand Christianity and took the crosses off the wall, that was when I was 37, I'm 63 now. Over all of these years of being chronically but vigorously disabled, I would say, I've learned what the cross has meant to me. And I've also learned I'm not the author of my own faith. That must have been a really incredible experience. Had you been led to expect something like that happening? No. I mean, I've had maybe five or six profound leadings in my life. That was absolutely fundamental to my life. I had an earlier leading that said you are to embody well-being, but you know, I've had disabling diseases since then, so I've had to learn that that necessarily doesn't mean physical wellness, but it's a call and a summons for me never to give up. Share some more music about your journey, about your song of your soul. Well, you know, the next song, Black Coffee, might seem very odd after Mountain Song, but this was a live performance done at the Art Museum here in Portland. Most of the people were 12-step friends. And so in a way, I sang this out of appreciation for the profound spiritual work that can be done in the basement of churches. So this is me singing very differently. This is a jazz song called Black Coffee. Yes, sir. slept a wink I watch the door and walk the floor and in between I drink black coffee loves the hand-me-down broom clock to
Sunday dreams to drive. Now we were born to go loving. We were born to
Listening to Nancy Bowker live. That was her recording of Black Coffee. I think probably best known by Ella Fitzgerald. You mentioned back at the beginning, Nancy, that when you were working in the blueberry fields, often you were the only white person there. Did you pick up some form of singing that I guess maybe most of white America? doesn't get to experience as a child? Uh, how, how young were you out in the fields? Well, that's very astute. I was as young as can be. I was probably five or six and eight when I started working out there. And I think that was the foremost influence. That's the first singing I had ever heard. So it's interesting for me to, on the one hand, sing a cappella, sung prayer, and then on the other hand, to sing more jazzy numbers. And that song in particular... It doesn't sound at all like the Nancy Bowker I'm imagining. Cigarettes and coffee as being main intakes, I somehow that doesn't sound like you. No, I don't drink and I don't smoke, but I think I'm fascinated by, there are phrases in there like feeling low as the ground and talking to the shadows. I've been really fascinated as a Christian to look at not only how we're to listen and discern the word of the spirit, but also discern what is other than that. And so I look at temptations of all different kinds. I noticed that when you sang that song, you did a couple little tweaks to the lyrics that are not the way that Ella sang it. There's one verse in there or something about, let me see, a man is born to go a-loving and a woman's born to weep and fret. And when you sing it, you say, we are born and we are born, as opposed to separating it into men and women. Yeah. So I assume that's somewhere fundamental for you, too, not only being peaceful and gentle, considerate towards each other's spirit, but there must be something about that identity of men and women that's fundamental for you, too. I think that's true. In graduate school, I looked at women's studies and studied with many of the different feminists. I'm fascinated by the nature of oppression, both for men and African-Americans, for women, and a different nature to it, and how we can become resurrected, really, from what deadens us. 
and it's very particular for each person, and I think it's particular for each gender because there's different kinds of oppressions that are going on in our world. Can I ask you about your continuing illness, what it is? You mentioned a brain tumor along the way. That certainly sounds like something that could be scary. Can you say something about your illness? Yes. It was found after six years, and so it has been removed, but it was very scary. I had a couple weeks to live, and they found it. And I think saying that I'm a vigorous but chronic invalid, it's a phrase about William Stringfellow, who is a spiritual mentor of mine. It means, really, I've, in a sense, still been a hermit. I've been out of the world because I'm chronically very weak. And so I think it's also led me to a constancy of prayer. It's led me to reading what's called the Philokalia. It's about the desert mothers and fathers from the 3rd to 15th century. And they really look at human nature, and they also look at what's against human nature, what's against us becoming full of life. And they talk about bringing the mind into the heart and waiting for the Word of God. And for me, that feels very much like the essence of being a Quaker as well. You've referred to yourself a number of times as Christian. Can you say how your idea of being Christian compares with other ideas? I think there's many different ideas of what being Christian's like. Can you compare it to or contrast it with other ideas around you? I think there are so many different ideas, and that phrase that came to my mind, I don't want to be a Christian, I'm ashamed of what's done in the name of Christianity, is still true. I still like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm very quiet about my faith. The essence of my prayer is what I'm led into. And so I have a spiritual director who is a Catholic. In her office, it surprised me that interiorly, again, I heard the word father, and I normally would never think of that phrase, that word, but she had read something, reminded me what was in scripture, that the spirit might tell you what to say or, or will create a sigh for you. And so I'm surprised as a feminist, as a radical feminist, that certain phrases come, that a certain direction that even for me, when I read about people who survived the Holocaust and still believed in God, they believed in a God that is a suffering God. And when I read people who have known suffering, the cross is something very different for them. It means that there was an embodiment of a suffering that God can understand. And that means to me when I'm faced with that quality and nature in my life, I'm not as alone as I fear. And I think for me also, the Holy Spirit, there are 21 attributes of the Holy Spirit that are female in the Book of Wisdom of Solomon. And so I think, in a sense, it's all genderless, I think, in essence. But I'm, I am finding, since I am not the author of my faith, I'm thrilled by how enlivened I become and full of life, no matter how weak I am when I'm immersed in certain passages of people telling the truth in their lives of their faith of this nature. Out of the Depths comes from a friend of mine who was a fellow contemplative. It was done before she went into hospice, and she loved the psalms. And so I recorded her in a cathedral saying this psalm, 
And then I took the recorder and just spontaneously sang my version right after her. This is Out of the Depths. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you, and therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. For there is for 
Nancy Bowker's website is nb, as in Nancy Bowker, nbcrossings.com. And that was her song, Out of the Depths, or adaptation of Psalm 130, with Kathleen Elliott reading first, and then Nancy improvising music to follow that. And that's on her Crossings CD, which is about sung prayer. You read the Bible. Is this part of your regular devotional? Since you practice as a contemplative, how do you structure your day or your practice? When I was at the monastery, I think they met at 4 o'clock. That was the beginning of their day. And and I'm often up very early. I read a St. Andrew's Missal, which was created by some Belgian monks, and very beautifully written. And I often also go to the Bible. I, I open it up and... I'm surprised how I'm immersed in certain phrases, and I, I feel like there's, like with my music, I translate without even thinking about it. There's often a translation that comes to me as I read it that fills me and thrills me, and my heart expands, and I feel it's a form of readying and preparing for the rest of the day. Often, too, I need to rest a lot during the day, and so... These are the books that I first go to that might ease me into sleeping as I nap. I do often walk at dawn and commune with nature. I'm delighted by the bird sounds in some of my recordings. You can hear the birds a lot in the background and foghorns. It sounds like an idyllic place to live. It is interesting for me that, and and this has been true for myself, often my prayer has been, God, hammer my heart, batter my heart, because I keep it so encrusted, closed up. And so my frailties often turn out to be the thing that opens me up to new bounty. It sounds like your life is a full orchestra of doing that. That's such a good point. I feel frailty is the commons and the norm for me. And that means then prayer is also the norm. So I, I try to do the prayer of the heart. It's called the Jesus prayer throughout the day. I continue to be astonished by qualities of wealth that I could never plan for or imagine. You know, I've met you just one time. It was at a national Quaker gathering about a year and a half ago. So you were there for a week. I guess Rhode Island is less far from Maine than most of the places we might wander. Were you able to exist for a week? That's a pretty high energy gathering, this the <laughs> Friends General Conference gathering. It's It's got to be tiring for everyone. And in your case, I, I would imagine that would have been over the top. You're right. And what I do, I'm very lucky. I have a vehicle that has a bed in it. It's been adapted and it has curtains and it feels like a little hermitage. And so very, very often, including the ride down there from Maine, I pull over into a safe place and rest and have quietude. That's um, one of the foremost necessities for me is silence and solitude. I'd like to hear some more of your music. What would you care to share next? The next song is called Lament. It was created at the time where I had to put my disabled brother into a home after my mother died. When I first left him there, I got in the car, and this song emerged that I was humming mile after mile after mile in my sorrow. I actually pulled over and recorded a few of the phrases of it, and when I got back up to Maine, I went to a favorite place and was resting in my car. It was after a storm, 
but the wind was moving the leaves and very thick globules of water were hitting the top of my car and I recorded that. I just opposed the two and in the middle of the night recorded over some of the phrases. And this is moment. You just heard a lament. Specifically, lament is for Nancy Bowker's brother, Glenn. 
you heard it as it happened with rain on the car where she was sitting recording it. Do you have a kind of antipathy, perhaps, Nancy, to doing your recordings in a studio? It's such a great question. I'm so used to singing outdoors and then the other performances were live. I wonder about it. So much of it involves my prayer life and not performing in a certain way or trying to do things beautifully or well. So it's a good question. I'm wondering about that. I mean, I do find lovely places like cathedrals to perform in that the sound is astonishing. I guess maybe the question is, and maybe the difference in why your so many of your recordings are in natural spaces, uh, whether it is outdoors or whatever, or even before an audience, it's a question of who you're singing to. And when you're singing sung prayers, and again, your CD crossings is called sung prayer. So many performers are performing specifically for the audience or the critics, or who would you say your audience that you're attempting to sing to is? You know, I think it's singing to God, and at the same time, it's singing to lost and least parts within myself that I'm yearning to kind of hear forth into song. So much of it really is a mystery, and some of it I'm both singing to to and from, really, the essence of myself and to the most essential mystery also that we have amongst us. You know, I have this image of you, Nancy, as singing, singing deep from your soul, but instead of singing to get the applause line, I see you sitting in the audience once you finished. I see you sitting in the audience and everybody's looking at the song that has emerged and everyone's applauding or cheering or feeling you know, rising to their feet because of it. And you're just one of them in the audience who's benefiting from the song. Do you think you could do that maybe <laughs> next time you perform in front of an audience? He says, I'll sit down in the audience and let's all just enjoy the song as opposed to me. I mean, it's a question of ego. It is. It, and that makes me smile when you're saying that because at the art museum, it really felt like it was my spirit thanking the spirits in the audience for coming. And sometimes I also have occasions where I'm supporting others singing the song in their own soul, whatever is spontaneously coming forth, no matter what the continuum, whether it's angst or anxiousness or pleasure or thanksgiving, whatever is true for them, I'm an abiding presence and I witness with them, sometimes even with humming, for a song to emerge from them. So I think you're right. I think what emerges is more universal than mine. Unfortunately, Nancy, this program only can last 55 minutes. It's the broadcast limitation. We have time for one more song. How would you care to finish your song of the soul? Uh, this last song is a combination that I put together from a song called I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free, which is Martin Luther King's favorite song. And sometimes I work with Robert Shetterly, who's written and does large artwork on Americans Who Tell the Truth, and I sing the text of civil rights activists. So this is one of those songs that I've sung. But then the last part of this song, Feeling Good, is often how I get to feel, no matter how free in certain ways or how much I long to be free. There's this activity of grace which is resurrective, and so where I'm feeling unwell, new life is created for me. 
So here are those two songs combined. And the two songs will be I Wish I Knew How It Feels to Be Free, adaptation of I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free, and Feeling Good, Nancy Bowker. I wish I could be like a bird up in the sky. How sweet it would be if I found that I could fly. I'd soar to the sun and look down at the sea. Then I'd see Cause I know How it feels To be free Bird flying Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting by, you know how I feel. It's new dawn, it's new day, it's new life for me. Feeling good. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel River running free, you know how I feel Blossom in the tree, you know how I feel It's new dawn, it's new day, it's new life for me Feeling good what I mean and the old world is a new world and a bold world for me stars when you shine you know how I feel scent of the pine you know how I feel freedom I know what I mean It's a new dawn 
Today's Song of the Soul guest is Nancy Bowker. That's from Nancy Bowker Live, an adaptation of I Wish I Know How It Would Feel to Be Free with Feeling Good. Again, Nancy, that's in your mode of soul, gospel, jazz, which is surprising in a woman with such pale skin. <laughs> and pale energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your songs are very energetic. They're very rich in that kind of depth connection with the birds in the sky and breezes and dawns and all of that uplifting stuff, which I'm sure for so many people, it's not what people think about someone who's on disability as feeling or being. Clearly, there's a spirit there that lifts you up, that transforms what could just be suffering into beauty. That brings tears to my eyes, Mark. I think you're you're right. I, I have a lot to be grateful for in my faith. And we have a lot to be grateful for in terms of the music that you shared with us today. I want to remind our listeners that the website you want to go to is NB, those are initials for Nancy Bowker, nbcrossings.com. You can also just follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. She has two CDs which are no longer available. You can get Nancy Bowker Live, which that last song is from, and you can get Crossings, a Sung Prayer. And I understand there's another another CD coming out sometime in the near, more or less near future. Is that right, Nancy? That's correct, yes. What are we looking forward to here? I never know exactly, but I think I'm fascinated by this combination that I've done with you, which to me is a combination of sacred jazz and sung prayer. So I hope to do another one combining these two. I'm thankful for the gift of music that you give us and for sharing so deeply from your spiritual journey. I think our society is only richer because we have some contemplatives. There's probably too few contemplatives around these days, and we sometimes lose touch with that major tune that undergirds all of creation. Thank you for bringing a piece of it to us here today, Nancy. You know, it was an honor, and thank you so much for this beautiful offering to all of us. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.
sing out a song. 